Welcome to Sarah and Abby's Vegan Adventures episode 465. It's a lot of episodes. Wow. No, it's, it's not actually. <laughs> I made it up. I made it up. <laughs> oh my God. So today, today we have a guest joining us, one of our adopters from our other, our other endeavor together. Um, did you want to use your real name? Yes, that'd be great. Okay, Juliana. Welcome. Hi, everyone. And Juliana is joining us to talk about our favorite topic, which is pet stores. Yep. Because you used to work at, which one was it? Uh, Petco. And okay. I was to figure this out is good. Year I was there. I think it was 2009 or 2010 that I was there. Oh, a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we. this is good because we did interview someone who worked at PetSmart. Mm. So now we have both of the major chains. Yeah. So this is some good info. <laughs> yeah. What did, you, what did you do there? So I started out as a like front-end cashier position, but pretty much every employee in the store was assigned to um, a... like an animal welfare slash cleaning section of the store so I had started with being assigned to the birds and then the bird um, area was just slightly because I was still an active cashier like while I was responsible for cleaning we would come in earlier than the store started but sometimes it would overlap depending upon how dirty it was and so they realized I was just a little bit too far from the register. So they moved me up to the small animal department, like ferrets and mice and guinea pigs, hamsters, right right in the front end, right by the register. So I could pretty much run between the two areas as needed. Hmm. And you're, you were, so you were an animal care, what did they call it? Animal caregiver? I think it was animal care expert. The title, okay. you have to think about that. Or animal care um animal welfare expert I think it might have been called something along those lines so did you have experience in animal in pets before you worked there question um I had always been like my family had always been like a uh local just if a if a litter had or if like like a farm dogs had a litter and there was extra puppies, we would take them in. So I always had a dog in the house and then um, cats also. We always adopted cats. So I grew up with, I think I had four different cats total over my time until I left for college um, coming through the house. And then, um, yeah, we had birds, we had parakeets and um, lots of different kinds of fish, cichlid and goldfish. Um, and, and hamsters. I'm trying to think what I, I I think I had like four or five hamsters growing up and I, I just loved all of them. (laughs) They were just such, it was just such an important part of like having that companionship of my childhood. Now, did they ask you that when you got the job? Like, was that part of their consideration for putting you with the animals or? No, I don't think that they did. I'm just, I'm trying to remember because it was a little while ago, but I pretty much think that um, it had to do with location and my other duties and what I was comfortable with handling. Like pretty much there was only one gentleman that would take care of all of the reptiles, which included like tarantulas. And that was the big one that people were like, no, I'm not interested in. Um, And sometimes they would have um, like hissing cockroaches get just left or donated and we would have to care for those temporarily. Um, So the reptile was pretty much one guy uh, stuck to that department and really just, we didn't even, they didn't even bother asking any other employees if they wanted to take care of that. And then fish was just so far in the back. Um, So I think it was just I think birds is definitely the lightest workload um, because there was the least amount of animals in that department. So I think that's why they initially as a cashier put me there. Um, But yeah, no, I don't think it, I don't think they asked me that. And I don't think that was part of the consideration. It was more just uh, functionality of the front end. Okay. Did you have to do any training when you moved departments? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good question. So I had to do just getting the job was like 40 hours of computer training. And then the specific departments, I had to shadow someone for about, I think it was about two weeks that I worked with someone um, and just learning because everything that came in was young or, or a baby and um, just learning the difference in care and le- and being able to um, make sure that I knew the difference between the care for a younger animal and maybe a teenage or an adult animal. Um, so that, yeah, I would say about there was about two weeks if I'm remembering right of just shadowing. Now you, you're very experienced in animal care, animal welfare. Now you're vegan. So how Mm -hmm. are their care standards compared to what you know now? Yeah. Um, every single thing in the bird department was changed because the dust was just so bad. Um, everything was pretty much deep clean daily for the birds the small animals i think that was more um that was definitely messier because there was not only was there like defecation but there also was a lot of wet formula that went hand in hand with the younger or baby animals like the ferrets especially and it was like no matter what you did when you have six ferrets and like a six by six foot six baby ferrets and a six by six foot enclosure the whole thing's going to be messy by the end of the day so i don't think that they cleaned i don't yeah i don't think that they cleaned those they had us clean those as often as they probably should like deep cleaned probably um as often as they should have been um but it was more about the like the delivery of the animals and the um if if an animal were to get sick we had like a little emergency room set up in the back which was just literally our break room set up and we would just separate the animals and care for them as needed but it was it was less like um uh sanitary issues and it was just like the valuing each animal individually, the loss of like life there wasn't really seen as a big deal. And that's what I think stood out to me the most, especially with mice. Cause there was like 50 mice in one tank almost every day. It was insane. Wow. Were those feeder mice or were those being sold as pets? Both, whatever. Honestly, the majority of the time they were feeders, but um, but once in a while we would have same thing with the we had rats too, and then we had the feeder rats, and they they were if I'm remembering right, they were labeled feeder rats, and they they were albino rats, and then the fancy oh. rats were just colored, and um, oh my- labeled as such. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So for the people listening. There's no difference between, you know, quote unquote, feeder rats or what people call fancy rats. Exactly. They're the same, the same exact species. Um, So to kind of label one as snake food and one as a pet, just because the albino ones, people don't think are as cute is really sad. (laughs) It's so sad. That's exactly what it is. It There was no difference. My interaction with the rats was some of my favorite that I had there. And there was no difference between the breeds and the way that I was able to like form relationships with them. That was always the hardest for me was selling those. Like yeah. as feeders, you mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So did you have to, they didn't, they don't pick them out themselves, right? They just tell you, bring me to whatever. Yeah, we generally with the feeders. Yeah, once in a while, there would be someone that would be specific. um, Or if it was like a child uh, picking it like for their pet or like for the mice to act as their pet or to act as a feeder, sometimes I would have to pick the one that the children wanted out. Um, But yeah, for the most part, it was like crickets, they would say just go get me x amount. Um, And they just wait at the register for me. And then you said that there there was a lot of death that you experienced and that it wasn't valued what what did they die from usually yeah so one of the biggest things that still upsets me about pet stores and one of the main reasons I refuse to support um that kind of industry anymore I won't buy I won't even buy a beta from a store I'll wait till one comes up on like Craigslist before I support that is um 
the delivery conditions basically allowed for uh, fighting. And so a lot of the animals would come in with um, cuts and wounds that would get infected. But then also, and this is like one of the most terrible things that I saw, there was two things that would happen. The mice, the mice and pretty much the mice mostly, um, the mice would get trampled and like they would arrive in delivery basically having been trampled because they were just in like a tote bin that you would like slide under your bed. That's how these animals were delivered. Maybe like a one and a half foot by two foot tote that's like six inches tall. And, um, and there would be so many animals in these totes that first, I would say out of every delivery, there was always a case of one or two being trampled. And then on the, on that same note, the other thing that I had to deal with when I was cleaning the tanks, the amount of mice, especially that were put in the tanks. So there would probably be like, I think there was probably like 10 inches of bedding. And then there was anywhere between like 30 and 45, 50 mice on, you know, especially on delivery days, maybe they would dwindle until the next week as we got down. But, um, but those first few days after delivery, basically the weight of the amount of mice would, would, I guess trample would be the right word would trample. There was always like a flattened mouse or two at the bottom when I would clean. And also the food dishes were, either heavy plastic or like ceramic and a 50 mice moving around bedding that thing lowers and lowers and lowers. And I can't even tell you how many times I found like a paper thin flattened mouse that had been uh, trapped underneath that, that food, that food dish. And, um, that oh really resonated with me as being like, Oh, it was, it was like unbelievable to see an animal in that condition. Um, and then seeing the other ones around it and really having no idea until I went in to clean the cage. So that was a really, really sad part for me, I think, for sure. Did anyone else care? Like, did your co-workers get no, upset? Oh, God, no. There was so much drama at the store and nobody cared. And, like, in retrospect, I would never support that industry anymore. And I, I could never work now, you know, 10 years later in my mid-30s at that kind of establishment out of principle. But I it was such a corporate uh like gossipy dramatic business my boss had just had like um gastric bypass surgery so he had just lost like a significant amount of weight and he was just like feeling like a million bucks and everything was about like him just like running the show the best he could and wanting to get a promotion and then um the the managers that I worked under were just a grab bag. One was like caught doing uh, cocaine in his car one day on a break. Nice. One was another one, the reptile gentleman. Actually, I enjoyed thinking about it now in retrospect. I don't know if I would enjoy enjoy his quote unquote zoo, but he was the gentleman locally, like in the capital region, he's from up by um, Argyle and he has a zoo up there, like a roadside zoo. And he was known as like the reptile guy. And he was the guy that would come, like, if you needed to hire someone for a birthday party, like, I, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm in my mid thirties. So I'm like an eighties baby. So like in the nineties, if you needed like a cool iguana at a birthday party, it just was so funny that it, that's who I ended up working with. Cause I kind of like everybody knew him and he had like experience. He, that's why he handled the reptiles and he brought in like an Arctic Fox. He had, he brought in for uh, one day and he actually had a kangaroo, uh, a pair of kangaroos that he had bred with the, his partner, the zoo, other zookeeper. So there was a baby kangaroo that he cared for while he was on the clock. So it was like a fascinating thing, but also down retrospect, probably shouldn't be breeding kangaroos in upstate New York. So no. I completely was kind of naive at that point, but it was a, such a grab bag because I learned so much from him and he was just like a plethora of animal information. And he was obviously like fascinated and loved animals, but I don't know if the amount he had, especially being a manager at Petco was probably the most ideal situation. And I've never been to the zoo and I don't want to. <laughs> and now, he loved them, but didn't respect them. Yeah. I'm sure the facilities were not adequate. I mean, he had, uh, 
grizzly bear cubs at one point oh, he God. in and it was just he like, brought into the store yeah they were babies they were like he had to the kangaroo had to be fed every four hours the baby i remember That's so inappropriate and, and then the actually the bear cubs were literally in a cage next to me while i did that initial 40 hour training on this old computer in this way back room the break room and there was literally a crate next to me and actually it was like moving to the point that I got up from my time training and I was like there's a live animal in the room and I, I don't know what it is and I just want to know and that when they told me it was that I was like kind of fascinated and he um he showed them to me and it was amazing but it was also like in a break room in Petco in Clifton Park in New York there were like four cubs in there and it was very weird and they were clearly newborns so I yeah in retrospect it, it's a little crazy but kind of a grab bag of people and on I honestly don't think the welfare was at the forefront of any of their minds um the groomers were the most uh compassionate co-workers I kept in touch with them for many years after they were two women that were very compassionate with animals and they really didn't like what was happening in the store but they were kind of a separate department so they right they didn't work with the hamsters or anything yeah so what else came um like dead was it just the mice or were um hamsters sometimes hamsters and guinea oh my god hamsters would be in those totes way too many of them no regard for like gender or um size between them um no never the ferrets and i'm trying to think with the rats if i ever had there was never an issue with um trampling with the rats but i know that the rats came wound wounded because they were literally in those tokens you can buy at uh, walmart that that was one thing that really surprised me because we would get a delivery weekly i think it was weekly it might have been bi-weekly and it fascinated me to just see animals being these totes being carried in and i would just be like well that can't be like animals in those right and then to just see these stacks getting handed over to us what kind of truck did they come on did they come on like a special delivery truck or was it just ups i'm pretty sure it was ups i'm, I'm oh pretty God. sure it was ups or fedex because that also fascinated me if i'm remembering right to think that that just happens and i think ups is one of the worst uh sh shippers internationally for live animals if i'm not if i'm not uh, mistaken did they pack them with food or anything or they just throw them in there they there was like a like a like a handful of shavings so they would be scattered around no no food um not that i can remember nope it would just it was just the animals and the and the like a handful of shavings so clearly not enough but yeah no food or no water the betas too sometimes they would travel from very far and they would have been in these tiny little sealed bags for a while and that always upset me too like smaller than the little cups pretty much wait now that i'm thinking about it i was gonna say same size but now i'm thinking now i'm thinking that they were either the same size or smaller slightly smaller yeah just mm. not what about what about the reptiles you know the how are they the reptiles i didn't really have too much uh, i didn't really know about what was happening in that department because the manager was so like he did his own thing and none of us really interacted with that but um but i do know that reptiles would get out in the store and <gasps> when they would get out we actually had um a lizard get out and they they had nicknamed it Godzilla because I forget the type of lizard it was. It was brown and really craggly looking and it was a very unique breed. And they just, it just became a store. There was no, they were like, there's no point in us. We can't catch it. And then one morning, I remember like almost a year later, um, the reptile manager, his name was Aaron. He was uh, just grabbing something that had fallen and kind of rolled under uh, one of the aisles and the and Godzilla we called him bit his finger and he pulled him out it stayed latched and he pulled him out and he got him that way this but is it, a snake no it was a it was a lizard it, it was in your store for a year missing yeah 
almost a year. And you know what it, and you know what it survived on was crickets. And we would always get loose crickets because when people would go do them themselves, cause we didn't require, you could get them yourself. Sometimes I'd have to get them for people. Um, but we, we allowed you to get your own crickets. And I, I always got the whole, like, you have cockroaches in your store being, you know, the cashier, like the face of the of the store they would and i would be like they're not, i swear to you they're crickets they just get loose and nobody ever really had like too much of an issue with it but it was just crazy that there was literally just crickets and i honestly at one time i found i will never forget this i found a one of the comet goldfish which are also known as feeder fish it was like 12 feet away from the feeder tank which was like a pond and it was a very large open top it was like 10 or 12 feet away. I was just stocking one day and, and I moved these bags and I was making room and I saw like, like a half decomposed comet fish on the shelf. And I was like, did that literally just jump out and has been ex like existing here? I was like, it's either that or someone took it out and purposely put it there. Those, And I don't think that was the two. I think it jumped out and it just happened to land there. And I was like, this is so crazy that animals are just kind of like running around and we don't even know, you know, half the time if something like that happens. But yeah, I'm trying to think if there was any other animal that um, we found anywhere. I don't think so, but those stories always, they always uh, stick out to me. I always think about them. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. The fish. Um, yeah. Abby, do you want to add anything about that? Do you, well, I'm just so confused. So, I mean, nobody stays there overnight. So anything can happen, right? Yeah, pretty much. We and would, then, yeah. what about the people who are buying the pets? Like, were, were they more respectful than the staff? Or were they the same, like, just a commodity? Uh -huh. I'm just buying it for fun. Well, I was just going to say, and this kind of ties into that, there was about in the year and a half that I worked there, there were about, I would say five to eight mornings that I came in and there was just a box of animals abandoned in front of our door. So it was always small animals. It was either hamsters or guinea pigs, pretty much hamsters or guinea pigs. And I think there was, if I'm remembering right, a kittens one time, but it was a while ago. I could, I could be mistaken, but, um, I mean, that just shows you, you don't know what time they were put there. They were in like a cardboard box. There was no, nothing in them with them and they would just be abandoned. I mean, people, I get it. People, you know, it's better giving it to, I guess, a pet store that has obviously supplies to care for it, but it always blew my mind that someone could just abandon an animal like that. Um, and of course we took them in, but, but that kind of speaks to like the customers, but as the cashier and as the person that like, part of my training was to push promotions, like very heavy, like, Hey, do you want to add a can of 30 cent can of cat food onto your order? We're donating it and the Petco Foundation was big on that, but and but I was constantly like treating all of this like a commodity, just like sell, sell, sell. So I think the people that came through, um, it was two types of people. It was the it was either like the 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 family member in the household that like paid the bills for the animals and they weren't invested in that animal. I had a lot of like dads coming in being like, God, God, this freaking dog costs so much. Like his food is so expensive. And I would be like, It's a living thing and it needs to eat. It's no more than like your grocery bill, you know? And I would and we were very specifically trained through Petco to say, um, we'd had we had to go through training to like be able to justify why things were priced the way they were so like when a dad would come in and complain i would be like i would be like you know you could feed them a better brand for them like with less filler and it's less you know instead of a cup a day a cup of meal it's three quarters of a cup so the food lasts longer or just as long or longer than the one you're feeding but it's a better for them and and so therefore I would have to like do the calculations and be like, the price isn't that bad. You know, it actually ends up being the same if you equal it out. If one bag lasts four weeks, the other bag lasts eight weeks. Like, I feel like that's also not how it works though. Like <laughs> it, it was so crazy how much training I received to like justify why we sold what we sold and then to push selling. Um, 
so so yeah so those customers were like it was it was either that or it was like the customer who came through with their dog and i got to meet them or the customer that like wanted to talk about their animals but it was mostly it was mostly dogs and snake owners and um once in a while i had some very unique I had a tarantula owner that had like an emerald blue tarantula. And I remember I, I loved hearing about, she just adored him. And I loved like, this was like pre pictures, pre like snazzy cell phones. I feel like, so it was like, I couldn't see pictures as easy as I would today. But, um, but I remember really enjoying that part of the job. And then also there was a trainer and the trainer there did like puppy playtime. So those in, house classes really brought in um you know mix of people but really brought in some big animal lovers too so it was a it was a total grab bag and there was a lot of people that just hated spending money on this thing they could yeah but who who was buying who was buying like the pets like you said you get shipments weekly that's a lot of animals going out the door yeah um all sorts of like um mostly feeders for for snakes um and then families just coming in and and buying ferrets ferrets were not weekly it was like i remember if we sold a ferret we would all like radio to each other like we like one of them got you know adopted today because it was kind of a bigger deal but i would say i would say every six to eight weeks we got a new batch of ferrets they were being bought i guess would be the right word uh that often by you know families with children or longtime ferret owners that had lost their last ferret um birds were very rare i remember they offered an incentive to like if we sold a conure they were going to give whoever sold a conure uh like a 50 dollar gift card wait so they encourage you to sell the animals even if it wasn't the right fit for the family Oh yeah, hundred percent. It was all about the sales, and I remember I was I was the bird department cleaner for like six or seven months. Like that change didn't happen terribly quickly, and I developed a relationship with a green with a dusky conure, one of the green conures, and I I didn't have the means or ability to uh, adopt him, but I really fell in love with him, and I was like sincerely concerned that he was going to go to a bad home just because it's a 50 50 you know toss up when you have people coming in you don't know who the hell <laughs> who the hell they are what they're how they're going to take care of him but that was like a hundred percent just like especially like the more exotic ones it was like sell 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 just you know turn it over there was no regard for any individuality sense of individuality um i'm trying to think the rats were honestly a lot of them were ended up being feeders um, and guinea pigs were big. Guinea pigs and hamsters were just big. There was just always families coming in with kids that wanted them um, for the most part. But yeah. And fish were just either feeders or betas, feed, comet feeders. I got two Ryukin fancy tail, double fan tail goldfish because PetSmart actually shipped them in uh the wrong batch so i got like oh yeah you were talking fish for like you know a dollar whatever they sold for then um because and i love them so much i had them for almost a decade they were like such uh unique animals and clearly had like uh personality and um and so a lot of the goldfish were just like I think that I think the fish has such a high turnover because people just don't know how to care for them. And I think fish are so sensitive to their environment. So that was another sad because fish are really special to me since I was little. Aquatic life has always been very important to me. Um, So that was that was another sad part, too, of working there. Hmm. What about like when if somebody would come in asking a question like not to you obviously you knew what you were doing but if somebody asked like a another store another employee like how to care for this pet or this pet would they just make stuff up or did they say like I don't know um we would always try to have the manager of that department that was trained for the care for those animals talk to the employee um 
I'm trying to think like like if somebody said oh what size wheel does my Syrian hamster need did they actually know or did they just say the most expensive one um no we would always try to well at least I would just radio who was ever the specialist in that department so it was easy to like and then I would either hand them off to them and not be privy to that conversation because I was stuck up front at the register or I would see the interaction and though they weren't it wasn't about the most expensive if I'm remembering it was um it was just I mean everything in the store was you know profitable so I think it was just getting them to walk out with a product in their hand and upsell it even if it wasn't the best one for the animal you know a a lot of those conversations I wasn't privy for I believed in a lot of the stuff that I sold so I on my end coming through I felt like I felt like what people were walking out the door with was better than nothing but I don't think I was as I wasn't as educated as I am now on all of that so I would say just because I didn't see those conversations in person, I would say they probably did the best they could because each department that if you were a manager for a department, you went through a lot of, you went through 40 hours of like specific animal care training. So, and product training. So I think they always tried to find the best fit. That would be my guess. Um, Cause that, at least that's what I tried to do, but I don't know. I could have just been, you know, more empathetic than my coworkers. I just wasn't privy to a lot of that. Yeah. That's, I think that's the key. Cause I know at yeah. least when we go in and we're like, Oh, what about this? They have no idea what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Even a little bit. That's so true. Cause I only shop at Benson's really. And yeah. um, if possible. And um, there's definitely, they're, they're, they're a lot different there than the big chains, but I haven't even been in I went in Petco for the first time because they were the only ones locally that had the Missouri for my rats and um, and th- that I didn't have to order online. And I went in there and it was the store I worked in for the first time in like almost nine years within the last month or two. And it was it was weird. It was eerie walking back in there because, um, yeah, it doesn't feel like that place it doesn't feel any newer or cleaner than it did when I worked there. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like a place that nurtures the well-being of living beings. Oh, means. But that's interesting now that having the experience that I've had and um, especially being, you know, like a newer rat owner and learning this now and, and loving them so much. I, I never even thought about going in and kind of like quizzing them a little. And I really liked that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like seeing like, would they tell me the right thing? Because clearly <laughs> there's not too much, you know, going on in the store that impresses me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, sweet. and I don't think they do it maliciously. I think they just literally have no, I, I don't think they have a yeah. clue. Yeah, for sure. I know the the amount of like just human drama too, because those jobs are just, you know, people that, you know, aren't very mature to begin with. It was just one of those things that um, it was. And then the corporate aspect of it too. I remember that there were several snowstorms and like the corporate was like, you don't have a job unless you get here. And it was like, my car could not get out of my driveway. And I remember I like walked to work one day and I lived like eight miles away. It was ridiculous. I remember my husband was like, just lose your job. And I was like, I can't, I need, we need the money. We had just moved back to the area. And I was like, it was, it was a little, it was just the whole experience was ridiculous. I'm glad I don't have to work at a place like that anymore. Yeah, that sounds really what's the word, Abby? Trying <laughs> for yeah. someone who yeah. loves animals. Um yeah. so me and Abby did a little experiment a little while ago where we called pet stores and asked if they would sell us a hamster at knowing that we would use it for a feeder for our imaginary snake because we wanted to see what they would say do you think that PetSmart would allow that or did you ever get that did did anyone ever say like I'm gonna feed this to a snake um 
no, not that I'm thinking of, or not that I can think of, but just the thinking about if I were making that call right now, if I were to, what would I expect? I feel like the world is a little more woke nowadays than, you know, 10 years ago, a little bit more. There's still so much more to go, but I feel like younger generation might be a little more aware now. So I would say, I would say maybe they were like, no, you can't do that. But I, I feel like they probably said it was fine (laughs) because it's a sale. Yeah. Yeah, surprisingly, the stores that we called acted, like, personally offended. When yeah, we like, like no, disgusted. We can't, we can't do that. We can't sell you a hamster there. Those are pets. Wow. And it's like, uh, rats are probably smarter. Yeah. Are definitely and, smarter. For and, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that is something that, um, that sense of speciesism, be it speciesism within the same species, then the same breed, color, whatever, is so, it's so terrible. And it's something that I've come to the realization now, having transitioned to veganism and like being more woke than I was before. Um, I mean, my, my advocacy for animals has been since I could like pretty much walk and talk. Um, but you know nowadays hearing something like that it's it's one of those things that i i have so much trouble with it it really is so upsetting to me yeah i mean so what would you want people to know like people that are thinking about going to a pet store to buy an animal yeah i would say um a hundred percent do not support uh pet stores in any way shape or form if the an if there isn't an animal no matter how specific your criteria is you know if you want a very specific color a gender an age range uh i don't know uh in a house that had children prior or something whatever how specific your criteria is there's always an animal out there you might have to travel a little bit or wait a little bit to get it but never ever 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 support these these stores that are just you know factory farming these animals because the ratio of uh i guess what's the what's that phrase in um that uh phrase that economic phrase when it's like um you just factor percentage of like loss because mm-hmm. due to like, death um so there's mm-hmm. just that expected like margin of loss in in those kind of which means animals are going to die pretty bad deaths without adequate nutrition environment or whatever so yeah i would say it's just it's i i feel very strongly about a lot of things and um a lot of it is just black and white to me it's just you just don't do it you just can't support those just adopt you adopt don't shop you know maybe these stores have products that my dog has prescription food and I can only find it at PetSmart. I hate that I'm giving them the money over like a local business like Benson's, but, um, but you know, you, you be as considerate as you can as a consumer, but yeah, there's even, even a mouse, there's going to be something out there. If you think it's too particular, too specific for what you're looking for, then have a little patience and, there's some great websites like pet finder and then you know local organizations like paws and claws that are just incredible that like um you know do the legwork for people to have that companion that they want um so yeah i would say it's just for me it's black and white just simply do not support the industry um because it does nothing but fund the terrible conditions yeah what about people who who say like, oh well, I want to save them. They're there. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same as fossil fuels or whatever. Any other industry that's damaging on a ma- on a mass scale, factory farming, big ag, pesticides. Until we stop spending our money on these things, those things are never going to stop. There's never going to be legislation that's going to eradicate all of this. I know the puppy mill 
pipeline ban uh, bill was actually up for vote this last week. And I spoke to, as a constituent, I spoke to, I reached out to my representatives who, you know, have the power to change that. But <laughs> there's always going to be um, ways for capitalism to find a way around that. People are money hungry. So until we stop supporting those things, it's just, uh, I get very, um, I, I get, uh, when I talk about these things, it's just like, I equate it to you either continue to spend the money, um, you know, you're either naive to the fact and then you learn. And I think the world is becoming much more woke than, woke than it used to be, like I said. And then, and then if you're aware of what's going on or if you have some semblance of intelligence, like you could probably guess that supporting factory farmed animals like it doesn't take a genius to figure out that like there are x amount of pet smarts nationwide if it's a nationwide company these things have to be churned out like no tomorrow just like hamburger patties at mcdonald's you know it's one thing for smaller institutions but it doesn't take a genius you know rocket scientist i always say to know that like if there's that much demand then there's no way these things can be um done in an ethical way it's just impossible with that amount of demand with the amount of population we have in the united states and the amount of capitalism so it's really on the consumer it's the consumer's responsibility so um i mean believe me every time i walk through a pet store when i was in petco grabbing my missouri food i walked by every tank and cage and i just you know tried to give them a little bit of care and attention for like the short minute and then um pets you know pet smart when i'm there um i always go to the animals and god it's hard there's finches in these tiny little cages it just breaks my heart and um it you know and then i stand there sometimes and i stand there googling like the other day i was googling i was like can you let birds pet store birds free and you absolutely can't like it's dangerous they'll die they won't survive they've never learned and i'm thinking like what if i just bought all of them and let them free and i get so worked up and i'm like well wouldn't it be better for it to come home with me and not so i completely understand that struggle and that internal like want but um until we stop funding them just like so many other industries that i am very very against and upset about um these things won't stop so it's just you just you just plain and simple don't do it there are no excuses yeah I love that yeah I think something though along those lines that I personally struggle with is you know when there's a sick or injured animal at one of those stores and we obviously don't want to buy them because we don't want to support it but at the same time if I was if I were that hamster <laughs> you know with a broken leg and a fluorescent lit pet store I would want to be bought so it's kind of like we're we're signing these animals up to be martyrs yeah when they never signed up for that for sure and I think something like big ag uh, you know, in factory farming for be at pet stores or food production, I think that there is there's no way, especially us as em em such empathetic individuals, there's no way we wouldn't be aware of the fact that like it's going to take a huge societal change for these things to stop. So like, I definitely think there's a time and a place to like, absolutely. I, I mean, I would completely agree with you on that because if I'm going in tomorrow and it's 2021 and I know mass breeding is not ending in the next month, I, I think that's a that's like a time and a place that like you probably could take that it's maybe it's 13 more dollars that pets more pet smart didn't have in a, you know, an analytic thing, like another hamster sold, but like, someone else was going to do it anyway. If we were at the cusp of like eradicating this or like if there was really a movement or a growing movement, but I don't even think, I don't think pet stores are even close to, I think that would be, if we were to list right now that the biggest movements that might, you might see change in America in the next 50 years, I don't even think pet stores would be on that list. It's so terrible. So I definitely agree with you. I think if there is a, um, if there's, a way to avoid it, 100% do it. But I, I 
totally agree. And like, you guys have taught me so much about care and, um, you know, medical care for, for like small animals like that, that, um, I think that's kind of like a great thing to have said, because I think that's helpful. Like there is a time and a place because one purchase like that isn't going to like set back a huge movement, which is sad. It's just sad at the end of the day. It's all sad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lose, lose. It's just, yeah. That's I just worry that when we say that, people are going to be like, well, fine, I'll just get my hamster from PetSmart because I, I want know. that one. You know? I, think, I think what it comes down to is there's Craigslist, there's Facebook, there's word of mouth, and there's PetFinder. And I think PetFinder is a fantastic, that's what I would start with. And I just think until you've exhausted all those other options, unless there's like an animal that's like clearly suffering, that there's a circumstance that, you know, like you said, Sarah, like that you justify it. Um, yeah, I have no uh, sympathy for people who are like, uh, you know, existing that way. There's no reason um, unless they were like raised without any sort of awareness and have never seen anything on social media. I just find that so hard to believe in this day and age that even if you weren't like I was raised with zero ethical awareness consumer awareness but it's 2021 and like unless you're like phoneless everybody knows what's going on and parents do a very good job of keeping it out of their children's eye and that is one big bone of contention that i have is like we are purposely miseducating our children if we just gave one generation the ability to like see the way things how hamsters get two cages in PetSmart, how a piece of meat gets on their plate at whatever applebee's then i i think children would never stand for this but we're just continuously lying to them and it's like it's just a like you said a lose lose so you support you are in favor of parents being transparent with their kids and saying like hey we're yeah. not going to get a pet uh, a hamster from PetSmart because x y and z not like yeah fighting if with I their had kids children i would never i would i would make it a point to raise them and as as traumatizing as some of that may be i don't think a conversation could be any more traumatizing than some of like you know the drama that happens in households across America, drama that happened in my household growing up, like there's no difference in sitting a child down and and saying that. It's one thing of showing it a slaughterhouse video, but I would make it, you know, yeah, I would, I am 100% for that because there's no way, there's no way there's going to be changes. Um, and that's one thing in my 30s that now I have to deal with for the rest of my life. And I'm like incredibly angry about the fact that like, I was raised that every single thing I spent money on or participated in, every single thing is based off of the abuse of, of another living being um, yeah. or nature. It's like, I can't buy a shirt. I can't buy peanut butter, palm oil. It's like, it, the list goes on and on and on. And I was just raised to like, you know, basically by this disgusting capitalist society that we just happen to live in one of the countries that is at the forefront of that. And now with the exponential social media that we have and the advertising and the whole in like proclamation of like individualization is where it's at. And I, I'm like all for like equality and rights, but like some of that is capitalist too. It comes down to the fact that like individualization is now capitalized and like, you know, buying new buying unique buying you know things like it's just um you know you have to think so much farther than one or two or three steps past the cash register you really have to like find out how your money is affecting the world and i don't think children would ever put up with the reality i think they would be terrified i think it would be like enough to change make a significant change in the world if we just started being transparent with them yeah well thank you so much for talking to us do you have anything else you think you want to share with everybody from your um, experience at petco i'm trying to think um no no i think i think we pretty much went over everything with the the the, the corporate aspect and um 
the um the treatment of the animals i'm trying to think if there's any other i think we kind of went over all the incidents and the things that stuck out to me for sure that were upsetting um yeah i guess i would stress too the only other thing i would stress is that like their version of like i think we called it the welfare room was pitiful at best so you know even when there is an animal that's worth quarantining or worth maybe putting a little bit of extra money into those conditions are terrible like you said a fluorescent night nightmare so um yeah I, I would stress that too that would be the only other thing is just like it's just bad all around yeah and i think you know the only way we can stop it is by not supporting these places yeah. you know and even you know i'm I'm guilty of going to PetSmart pretty often to get supplies for my animals. For sure. Um, but I do think that it is best to just, you know, stop supporting these large chain pet stores until they stop selling small animals. Yeah. It's so tough because it's like, there are no alternatives for so many things. And the yeah. PetSmart spends a lot of money ensuring there are, the competition is minimal. So it's, um, it's just such a vicious cycle, but yeah, even if like I, my, I'm in the same boat, my, my dog is a special needs dog with a disease and the wellness plan through Banfield just happens to be the best fit for my, um, my, uh, income and um he's you know he's on four meds a day and has has to have lab testing so he could be a lot more expensive if i was going to like a smaller local um vet but because it's a separate entity than PetSmart technically but i'm in the store a lot because of it which means i make purchases because of it um so i totally understand and i i agree yeah i feel like even just maybe stopping to buy the animals could potentially eradicate and and not ha and and feeling okay about the fact that like you know it's okay if i'm buying a non-animal non-living product at this store um and just starting there that's better than nothing for sure i think that's progress unto itself even if you go to the store and you just say all right no matter what i won't spend money on the live products um that's a step forward way farther than so many people in america right now are willing to take yeah definitely yeah well thank you and we'll um we'll talk to you soon okay great looking forward to um hearing the hearing the episode and i'll make sure i share it with uh yeah. my friends and friends and tell them about the podcast <laughs> thank you bye juliana bye take care bye